0: Hey Rock Church, God bless you. My name is Travis, I'm one of the pastors here and I'm so excited to bring you an encouraging word. I know it's going to bless you because it's blessed me as I've been getting prepared. But before we get there, I want you to get your calendar out because Christmas Eve is quickly approaching. December 24th, mark it on your phone. Uh, Mark it on your calendar in the kitchen. My wife and I have the command center with all the dates and the important details of our lives. December 24th, we have such a great service planned for you online. You are not going to want to miss it. And we know that people at home that that maybe are going to be watching have family who don't know the Lord. And so put that thing on, make them sit down and watch the Christmas message with you. Trust me, they will be blessed. And then in person, if you're local or you can make it out, come join us. We have uh, one in-person service at 4 p.m. Otherwise, online is going to be on demand. You can see it whenever you want it. So I know you're going to enjoy it. Uh, But today we are wrapping up our series entitled Weaponized Worship. Everybody at home say weaponized worship. What is that? What does that mean? Well, I brought some definitions with me. A weapon is just a tool that we use to destroy an enemy. That's pretty simple. And worship's a response. It's a response when you worship God declaring who he is and what he's done. He is Lord over all. That's who he is. And he's the savior of the universe when God sent his son Jesus. That's what he's done. It's assigning worth to somebody worthiness, worship, worthiness, that's what worship is. So the focus for this entire series that we're wrapping up today has been all about understanding that our worship not only magnifies God, but as we do that, at the same time, we're pushing back the darkness and pushing back the prince of darkness, Satan himself. So when you and I worship Jesus, we declare his worth as Lord and Savior. And we're also saying, God, you increase, Satan, you decrease. When we Say, God, I magnify you in my life. I'm saying, Satan, I'm minimizing you in my life. As Jesus is elevated, the enemy, Satan, come on, gets humiliated. That's the whole point. That's the power. That's the potential of a weaponized worship. And so I want to pray for you and also for me that God's word would speak to us today. That we would receive it. And from this moment today, we would leave change forever. Why don't you bow your heads and pray with me. Jesus, thank you for this moment. Father in heaven, thank you that we can come and, and no matter where we are, receive from you. Receive from your word. Holy Spirit, would you speak through me and would you fill the hearts of all of those that are listening? We pray that in Jesus' name, amen. Um, I know that we got to enjoy some really great worship and some Christmas music this, this day, but uh, I, I love listening to music. It's one of the things I love doing most. No matter what I'm doing, if I'm driving, I'm probably listening to music. Uh, if I'm working out, I'm listening to music. Um, and, and if I'm doing the dishes, and fellas, I do the dishes. Come on. Uh, I, I do the dishes, I'll, I'll put something in my headphones and, I, and I'm listening to music. But I think most people enjoy listening to music, and I say most, but most people enjoy listening to music because it sets the mood or it sets the mode. So if, if, I'm, if, I'm, if I'm working out, I may be listening to this type of music. If, if, I'm, uh, if, if I'm, I'm in church, I'm listening to worship music. But it also is generational. And so you may want to just feel like going old school. And I brought my friend Doug with me to help me out. Because Doug, if we're in the 70s, I want to go old school and I'm getting in the mood. What's something I would want to hear in the 70s that would catch my ear? Uh, uh, uh. That was, that, yeah, that was good. Come on, give me some, give me some, give me some, give me some. They know what that is. That's not my generation, but I know it. But then the, then the 80s hit us because there was this huge movie that came out and there was a song for a generation. Give me the 80s. Uh-oh. Mm. I feel like I should just be getting ready, right? I should be getting ready. And then the 90s, the 90s for me, I was born in 84, but 90s for me were, was the generation of hip-hop. The generation of hip-hop and hip-hop took over. So what's something from the 90s that just you start playing it, everybody knows what it is. is? I'm About to button up my top collar. About to button up my top collar right now. That was the 90s. The 2000s, um, I, I, I remember the artist who was the biggest, the biggest. But what was something in the 2000s that we would all get right away. Something we would, We're throwing it back to the 2000s right now. Hey, hey, that's nice, that's nice. But then there's worship music, the stuff that we just heard a few moments ago and the stuff that we all love to sing in church. And what, Give me a song that we just lean into that we just know it's a good one. Come on. Worship his whole. There we go. That's why I preach and don't sing. But I like that. 10,000 reasons, man. Come on. Thank you, Doug. Give it up for Doug. I I love all of those songs. I I love worship music. But would it surprise you if I said that I don't exclusively worship God with music on a particular day? I don't exclusively worship God with music. And this is kind of the, the, the big idea of where we're going. And if you get one thing today, I want you to grab this. And take, if you're taking notes, write this down. Worship is more than a style of music and more than a day of the week. Instead, it's the full expression of your life. I'll say it one more time. Worship's more than a style or a genre of music, it's more than a day of the week, it's the full expression of your life. And I'll, I'll, I'll say it this way. A life that's fully surrendered to Jesus is a life that's fully expressed to him in worship. When you and I say yes to following Jesus, you've said yes to, to, to fully expressing your life to him in worship. Romans 12.1 says it this way. Beloved friends, what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? To surrender yourselves to God to be his sacred living sacrifices. And live in holiness, experiencing all that delights his heart. For this becomes your genuine expression of worship. What should be our proper response? What's the appropriate response to God's marvelous mercies? The things he's done. Who he is. What he's done on the cross. The scriptures tell us in Romans, live a life of holiness. Live in a certain way that becomes your expression of worship. Uh, and, and, I, and I love this idea of, of fully expressing ourselves, not just with worship or a day, but, but a full expression through your life. Because maybe you're, you're, you're watching today or you come to church on Sunday and some of us just, we check the I worship Jesus box. I, I've, I've worshiped Jesus. I, I've, I've completed it. I've, I've done it. And maybe you, you punch the enemy in the face on Sunday from 10 to 12. And for two hours, you were just ah go, going at the enemy, declaring God's love and rebuking him, and just praising the, the, praising the Lord. I, my my wife Vanessa and I were um, were, were on our way leaving uh, on our way home, leaving uh, Home Depot, and as we we're coming out, there was uh, two guys. It looked like one guy had stolen something, and one guy was trying to get it back from him. It was just a scuffle, and and my wife went, "Oh no." Oh, no. And the high schooler in me came out. And I was like, babe, let's, let's watch this real fast. Let's watch this. Let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. And the two guys, they, they didn't really even touch each other. It was more of, a, more of like a patty cake moment. Just like, you know what patty cake is. Patty cake, patty cake, baker's man, right? It was, they didn't even touch each other. It was just, it was one of those moments. And so, and, and they didn't even touch it. The, the, the battle, the fight was over before it even started. Unfortunately, that's some of us on Sunday. You just started the worship. It was for two hours, just just a day, just a moment. But worship is so much more than that. it's, 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 It's a full expression. And so what about the rest of the days of the week outside of Sunday? When you go to work. Or when you're with your kids. Or when you're having that conversation with your spouse. Or what about on the days off? Who's winning the battle then? Who's getting... The glory then. Who's receiving worship then? Because everybody worships, it's just a matter of who you worship and how you worship. Worship is more than a style of music and it's more than just a day. It's the full expression of your life. The title of my message today is, We Have Come to Worship. I want to bring you a Christmas story about the Magi. Or maybe you know them from your nativity scene as the wise men. And their story is one that's all about worship. And if you turn to your Bibles, if you've got your Bible with you, if you have your Bible app, wherever you're watching, um, turn to Matthew chapter 2, and I'm gonna read verses 1 through 12. It's the first book in the New Testament, Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. And now this is what it what it says. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, I, I gotta stop right there because I'm, I'm gonna teach you a little bit and I'm gonna give you some practical points at the at, afterwards, but. It begins with after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea. I, I want to point out that Jesus had already been born way before the wise men or the magi got there. And so do, I don't want you to go home and start ripping the wise men out of, out of your nativity scene. But just know they weren't at the manger. They weren't there. And, and you'll learn more about that as we keep reading. But after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. That's what they came to do. That's their whole story. In verse 3, when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed. And of course he was. Why? Because he represents the adversary. He's the enemy in this story. He he represents the opposite of worship to God. And look at me. Look look, look at me, family. I know you're online. But just look, look up here. When... You declare worship to God, the enemy gets disturbed. When you put attention and say, that's why I've come. I've come to bring worship to Jesus. The enemy gets put on notice. And so was King Herod. He was disturbed and all of Jerusalem with him. Verse 4, when he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied. For this is what the prophet has written. And this is Micah chapter 5. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. I wonder if that's what the enemy tries to do when he wants your worship. He comes to you secretly. He comes to you when you're alone. He he comes and tries to get you to secretly do things for him that nobody else sees. At least that's what we think. And so Herod comes and gets the Magi secretly and asks them when the star appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. Now This is another point I think I just want to pause and just know that when the Magi are searching, they're not looking for a babe. They're not looking for a baby. They're looking for a child. The Greek word here is pideon. That means toddler or mature young child. And so most likely Jesus was around the age of two. He says, go and search carefully for the child. And as soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go ahead and worship him. He's playing. That's all cap right there. (laughs) After they had heard the king, they went on their way and the star they had seen went When they had seen when it rose, went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And on coming to the house, not the stable, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. They opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. In the story, there isn't just one way the Magi worship. Uh, But they actually demonstrate five. Everybody say five. They actually demonstrate five specific expressions that make up a whole lifestyle of worship. I want to give you five expressions of worship or five ways that we can demonstrate that Jesus is worthy. Write this down. This is number one. Jesus is worthy of my time. Jesus is worthy of my time. In verse one it says, after Jesus was born... In Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? Um, They were from the east. Most likely they traveled from Persia. That would have been a thousand mile journey. More or less a thousand miles. That would have taken roughly on foot six to nine months. That's a lot of walking. That's a lot of riding. If they're riding camels, the scriptures don't tell us how how they got there. But a thousand-mile journey. In Ephesians chapter five, verse fifteen, it says, "Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil." The wise men used and committed their time to looking for Jesus. I was talking to a friend of mine that, that earlier this week. Her name's Mary, and, and she's actually on staff here at our church. And, and she lives about an hour away from the, from the office. And it, it began to rain, at least here in San Diego. And she got started, and there was tons of traffic. And maybe, and unfortunately, there was an accident. And she decided, you know what? I'm just going to stick it out. I don't mind the wait. I don't mind the hour. Or now it's probably going to be an hour and a half of time that I'm that I'm in the car because she loves you know podcasting and, and she was describing specifically that <laughs> there's this spoken Bible that she listens to and she just she said it, it's like it was like as the rain was falling and God's word was hitting me it was like a spiritual spa I was just soaking up each second soaking in each minute I had with the word of God learning the ways. And the will of God. I don't want you to miss this. Here's what Mary and my friend knows that I want all of us to know. Instead of her time being wasted, her time has become worship. Instead of her time being wasted, her time became worship. So let me ask you, what are you doing with the time that God has given you? What are you doing with the moments? And What are you doing with the days? What are you doing with the weeks, the months, and the years? Are you just casual with your time? Are you selfish with your time? Because if you don't take your time and steward it wisely and use it to glorify and worship God, trust me, Satan will use that time. Just like God has a plan and purpose for your life, Satan has a plan and a purpose for your life. He'll take all the time that you give him. And trust me, it's not for your good and it's not for God's glory. Worship is a full expression. And Jesus, he's worthy of the expression of your time, Here's the second thing. Jesus is worthy of my talents. Jesus is worthy of my talents. In Matthew chapter 2, it says, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? That's verse 2. We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Isn't that interesting that God used the stars to help navigate these magi, these wise men from the east? Um, they noticed the star because... These magi were educated. They were well-educated, they were skilled and talented men. They would have been educated in medicine, they would have been skilled and read in scriptures and religion, and also astronomy. They used their skills and they used their abilities to find and follow the star, ultimately to find and follow Jesus. In Colossians 3 and 23, it says, "Whatever you do." Work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you'll receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ Jesus. Whatever you do, the skills you've been given, use it for the Lord. When I was about 20 years old, I was um, starting out in real estate. I wanted to get involved with something my family always did, and I thought, man, maybe this is what I should do. And so I started selling real estate, and I got good because I was good at talking and I can communicate. And, and even though I had no idea what I was doing with real estate, I could still kind of negotiate and use my words to get things done. And I'll never forget being at this older woman's house and I had made a phone call to see if she wanted, to, wanted me to represent her in the selling of her house. And I got the appointment with her even though she didn't want to give me the appointment. I wore her down with my words and I showed up to her house. And I sat down in the living room with her and I pulled out the contract. And even though she didn't want to sell the house and let me represent her, I didn't leave unless she signed the contract. I kept saying, do you want to sign the contract? Why don't we just sign the contract? And ultimately I wore it down and she signed the contract. Well, would you believe that two days later she called me and canceled the contract? It didn't matter. God had a different plan for my ability to talk. God had a different plan for my ability to use my words. God had a different plan than I had to use my gifts. And so the question is, how are you using your skills? How are you using your talents to worship and glorify God? What are you good at and how are you using that to expand the kingdom of God? God didn't make you bold so that you could go boldly and wear people down. God didn't make you creative so that you can create things for yourself. God didn't make you a leader so that you could just lead people to yourself. God created you, gave you skills, has trained and developed you, given you talents so that you can bring them in worship to him as a full expression. As a full expression, Jesus is worthy of your talents. So just give it to him. Give it to him. That's the full expression of your worship. Here's the third thing. I got to go fast. I got a couple more. Number 3, Jesus is worthy of my temple. Jesus is worthy of my temple. In Matthew 2 verse 10 and 11, it says when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and they worshiped him. They physically with their body bowed down and they worshiped him. In 1 Corinthians 6, 19, it says, do you not know that your bodies, wrought Church, are temples of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. And in essence, you don't belong to you. This is the temple of God. If you said I'm a follower of Jesus, or maybe today you're gonna make that decision for the first time, that's what you're saying, that I'm gonna make this a temple Of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God that lives in me. I I, have been working my way up to become a member of the Thousand Pound Club. In fact, I have been trying to do that with my friends for quite some time. And a few years ago, here's what that means. Thousand Pound Club means you take your three strongest... Um, Weightlifting lifts, and and for me that would be bench, squat, and deadlift, and hopefully that adds up to a thousand pounds. And if I can tell you the truth, I'm not close, but I'm getting there. I'm giving myself until 40, I got a few more years to do it. And a few years ago, I kind of started this in the back of my head hey, wouldn't that be cool to be a part of the thousand pound club? Well, would you believe a few years ago, I actually tore my rotator cuff and I had to stop working out completely. I couldn't work out. I, I tore my rotator cuff, it was inflamed, and I had to stop lifting weights completely and I also had to change my eating habits and and, and stop eating some of the foods that were causing inflammation. But when I went to worship and I would come to church, I would still raise both of my hands. And I remember trying to believe by faith that God's going to heal my shoulder and I would raise my hands in worship. And and it would would hurt and I would stretch it and, and I would I would lift my hands to heaven and say, Lord, I know you're going to heal me. God, heal me, heal me, heal me, heal me. And God did heal me. And you know how he healed me? He healed me by what went in and by what went out. Here's the point. What you do with your physical body matters to God. I stopped putting things in that didn't help me. And I began putting out my hands the things that magnified God. What you do with your body matters to God. What goes in matters, and what goes out matters. Worship is a full expression. And when you worship God with what comes in, you magnify God. You magnify, and, he, and you, you tell Jesus, Jesus, you're worthy of this temple. And when you take what goes in and out, you're doing the same thing. Jesus, you're worthy of this temple by what goes in and what goes out. That is the full expression of your life. Worship's not just a song. Worship's more than just a day, it's a full expression. And so what are the ways we've listed so far? Number one, Jesus is worthy of my time. Jesus is worthy of my talents. Jesus is worthy of my temple. And number four, Jesus is worthy of my treasures. And maybe in the story of the Magi, this one's pretty obvious, but in chapter 2 in Matthew verse 11, on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary and they bowed down and worshiped him. We read that just now. Then they opened their treasures and they presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. The gold was uh, reserved for for kings. That's what gold was was reserved for. And and gold was uh, significant and signified that Jesus was of royalty. Frankincense was used by high priests. And they would burn um, sweet-smelling incense as worship to God. That was a, a sign that Jesus is God, a signal of his divinity. And so gold for royalty... Frankincense for divinity and myrrh was used to anoint dead bodies. Jesus was human and would ultimately live so that he could die. The gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh were given to signify that Jesus was of royalty. He was of divinity and he was from perfect humanity. We just finished up our series entitled Make a Difference. And and so I'm not going to give you too much uh, on, on, on giving I think you you get the point on giving. But when you worship Jesus with your treasures, well, let me say it this way. When you worship, are you worshiping Jesus or are you worshiping yourself? Are you worshiping the world or are you worshiping the enemy? Here's the second question. If you do worship Jesus, if you do worship God, is the treasure you're bringing to him worthy of royalty, worthy of divinity, and worthy of his perfect humanity. I don't wanna to say too much, but I want you to think about that because I know some of us, we struggle in this area and you're more than a tipper than you are a tither. And so I gotta jam you up a little bit and say hey, when we bring worship to Jesus, it's not just hands raising songs, it is that because he's worthy of our temple. But Jesus is also worthy of my treasures. Is the gift you're bringing worthy of his royalty, his divinity, and his perfect humanity? Here's the the fifth thing. I want you to write this down. I'm going to close with this one. Number five, Jesus is worthy of my tribe. Jesus is worthy of my tribe. In verse three, I want to go back there. And we skipped it, but I want to just bring this back to you and read this. Verse three says, when King Herod heard all of this, he was disturbed. And all Jerusalem with him. And so the Magi come and they come to Herod. They're looking for this star. They've heard of this coming Messiah. Herod was disturbed. That's not a surprise. And I almost missed this. But why would Jerusalem, all of Jerusalem, the whole area, also be disturbed? Most scholars believe that the Magi traveled nine months and needing a rest, they probably would have stayed in Jerusalem for two to three months. That's about a year. It's a year's journey, but they didn't come alone. And in fact, we, we only talk about the three wise men and put the three wise men in our nativity scenes because of the three gifts. But really, they probably would have come with a caravan of people because they traveled a 1,000 miles and traveled for nine months and had to stay and rest for about two to three months. And so they brought, they brought people with them. They brought family. They, they, brought, they brought friends. And they probably brought an armored guard because they brought Expensive gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So here's my question. Maybe the million-dollar question today. Who are you bringing with you on your journey to go see Jesus? Who are you bringing with you on your journey to see Jesus? Will this be finally the Christmas where you tell your neighbors, hey, would you come to church with me? Or you invite your family to... To watch the, the online broadcast with you on Christmas Eve. Maybe this is finally the year that you bring somebody with you. Because Jesus is worthy of even your tribe. Maybe this is the year that you tell your coworkers about Jesus. Because can I just tell you friends that there's no other time of the year where people are more open to receiving from God. It's the end of the year. They're thinking about what's next. What what do I not like about what happened? How can I be better? I'm hoping next year is better. The next day after today is better. Or maybe you've just decided you've given up on your spouse because you've been praying for them and their salvation. Let me encourage you, don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. Joshua 24 verse 15 says, if you decide that it's a bad thing to worship God, then choose a God you'd rather serve and do it today. Choose one of the gods of your ancestors, one of, the, one of the gods they worship from the country beyond the river, or one of the gods of the Amorites on whose land you're now living. And then Joshua says, but as for me and my family, but as for me and my tribe, my friends, my group, my people, my coworkers, my spouse, we will worship God. We're going to worship God. I want to end with this story and then I'm going to pray for you and then we're going to have a chance to celebrate all of God's faithfulness through uh, the act of communion together as a family. But many years ago when I was around 20 years old, I took a group of my buddies who we were attending church together and we were just kind of coming up as volunteers and leaders in the church and we decided to take a trip to Yosemite. But in our, our youthfulness, <laughs> um, we decided to do it all in one day. Literally drive to Yosemite before it even got the, the, the light of day. We drove up in the dark and we decided we're going to drive up in one day, hike it in one day, go up Half Dome in the same day, and come all the way back down and drive back home where we were staying. All in one day, if it's even possible. And so we did it. We set out uh, early, early around midnight and drove through the night, getting to uh, the... The, the, I don't know what it's called, but right when you get to the, the park at Yosemite and you see everything and, and, and El Capitan, and, and there, there's Half Dome and you see the trees, and it's just so expansive. If you haven't been, you gotta go. And I remember us feeling this sense of accomplishment. We did it, we drove. But that was part one. And we had to pack our things up, and we began making the hike up the, the mountain to get to Half Dome. And that took literally four hours. Four hours and we got to what was sub-dome where we could see half-dome. And, and we had another wave that came over us of accomplishment. We, we did it. We, we made it. But we really hadn't made the full thing just yet. And here's a couple pictures of what I'm talking about. The next thing we had to do is we're looking up the face of half-dome. And they have this wire that goes all the way down the backside of the rock. And that's the only way that you can climb half-dome. I'm going to be honest with you, it scared me to death. There was this big pile of gloves, all laid out, that people would just leave there. And I thought, "Are those bodies? What is that?" That you had to grab the gloves, put them on, and as fast as you could, go up and climb the cables. And we made it to the top, and we celebrated, and we were jumping everywhere. We we, we even brought these wooden crosses, and we were taking selfies before that was even a thing. I don't know what year this was, and we just celebrated. We made it, and then again, a wave of reality hit us. Wait a minute, we got to go back down the rock. And then after we do that, we got to hike all the way back down. And we did it faster. It took us about two and a half hours to get back down to Yosemite Park. But then somebody had to drive us home. And that was me. And I drove us home to where we were staying a few hours out. And I, I was delirious getting tunnel vision. It was so late. Then finally we got to the house. And finally all together, fully exhausted, we could actually say, we did it. Fully exhausted, we made it. Family, this is the invitation today. To say, Lord, I'm going to fully exhaust everything I have to you in worship. We have did it. I'm not just going to worship you with a song. I'm not just going to give you a second part on Sunday. Or I'm going to come in the evening. Or I'm going to give a little bit here. Or I'm going to invite one person there. No, 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 no. It's not part one, part two, part three, coming down the mountain, part four. It's full exhaustion with my life full living sacrifice, full expression of my worship to him. That's what it means to weaponize your worship. To magnify Jesus for who he is and for what he's done. And as you do that, you push back the darkness and push back the prince of darkness. Jesus is worthy of our worship. He's worthy of your time. Jesus is worthy of your talents. Jesus is worthy of your temple. He's worthy of your treasures and Jesus is worthy of your tribe. Who are you bringing with you to go see Jesus? In a minute I'm going I'm to pray for us because maybe that's the first step for some of you is just to meet the King of Kings. And at the end of your year and the Christmas season, that's your invitation. to Say I'm going to start by giving Jesus my worship. And everything I have right now, and it may not feel like much, but you can say I welcome the newborn King. Come into my life. And if you need to make that as a statement, a declaration over your life, I want you to pray this prayer with me in the quiet of your heart. In fact, would you wherever you are, would you bow your heads and close your eyes and just pray this in the still of your heart and say, "Dear, dear God, I admit to you that I'm a sinner, i failed, and that I need you, but I believe today, as an act of worship." That you died for my sins. You went to the cross. Paid the price of my sin and shame. And conquered death through the power of the resurrection. I confess you now as Lord of my life. Holy Spirit, come into my heart. Fill me and make me brand new. Make me a brand new creation. I love you. I worship you with all that I am. And all that I have. Now as your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, I just want to say God bless you. I'm going to pray just a a blessing over you. Thank you, Lord, for every single person that prayed that prayer. Thank you for every person that's saying, Lord, I'm, I'm going to commit myself to a life of worship. It's not just a song. It's not just an idea. Not just a day. It's the full expression of my life. May we be people that declare that Jesus is worthy of all of my time and all of my talents, all my, my, my temple, my treasures, and my tribe. We give Him everything today, Lord. And so I bless my friends. And we say thank you together. In the name is above every other name. He is Emmanuel, God with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen and amen. God bless you, Rock Church. I want you to... Stick around with me because maybe one of the best ways that we can just put an exclamation point on that decision today that now that you're in the family of God is to celebrate Jesus' life, death, and resurrection through communion. And we, we, we do this as often as we can, and I would encourage you to do this with your family and friends as often as you can. But would you go ahead and grab some elements with you? If you have some juice or you have some, uh, some bread, grab it. I have this, this little uh, communion cup, and a wafer just represents the bread, and, and Jesus. As he sat with his disciples before he went to the cross, took out the bread and he said, this represents my body and I don't want you to forget what I'm about to do. And so he held it up, he broke it, passed it to his disciples and he blessed it and he said, take this as often as you do. Remember me, remember what I did on your behalf. In fact, that's why he's worthy of our worship. Would you right now, right where you're sitting, wherever you're joining us, if you can, take this bread and remember Jesus' body. Go ahead and grab your juice and if you have a cup or you have something next to you, you can grab something in the kitchen or at home or if you're in the car. Whatever you have will work. But it signifies the the blood of Jesus that was shed to cover the multitude of sins. All of our sins. My sins and your sins. The holiest of holy person and the lowliest of lowly person. He died for everybody. That's the beauty and the power of the gospel of Jesus. After he had passed the bread he took a cup and he said this represents my blood that will be poured out on the cross and will cover the multitude of sins that way when you step into a relationship with Jesus and you acknowledge his sacrifice when our heavenly father looks at you and he looks down from heaven he doesn't see your sin he doesn't see your shame he sees the blood of his son Jesus washed over you covering your sin your shame And all of our inequities. That means the things that you've done and the things that's been done to us, the Lord sees righteousness of Christ all over you. Let's take this together as a family and we're honoring the life and the work and the power of the gospel in Jesus Christ. Take it right now. Lord, we thank you for this moment. We thank you for this day. We thank you for this series on worship. We pray that we would take all of that we received from you and we would go... Put it into practice. We don't don't want just Sunday inspiration without Monday application. So tomorrow begins a new life of worship where we're giving you all that we have. And we thank you for the cross. We thank you for your gospel. That you love us enough, Father, to send Jesus to become Emmanuel, God with us. We celebrate him now and we bless you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen and amen. God bless you, Rock Church.